Welcome back to Morning Trade Live. We've got stock futures lower, but not by much. And Bitcoin's higher, so there's a bit of a mixed bag in the risk asset category this morning. Bonds have certainly been trading with conviction, and so is the dollar too, though. Greenback is running big again, and bond yields are down as treasuries are rallying. Christopher Vecchio joins us from dailyfx.com, senior strategist. Morning, Christopher. Welcome back to the show. Morning, Oliver. Good to see you again. Okay, let's talk some FX first. Uh, there's an interesting break in uh, the relationship between yields and the dollar from the last uh, seven months uh, more, where generally the two have been going up together. Now yields are going down, but the dollar seems to still be resilient. What do you make of that? Well, I see this as a sign that the market is very secure with the message that the Fed's putting together, that they intend on raising rates very rapidly here over the next few months, which will ultimately arrest inflation pressures. The two go hand in hand, right? Fed rate hike odds continue to point towards a 75 basis point rate hike in July, 50 basis points in September and November, and then at least another 25 in December. What happens thereafter is another story, but for this year at least, the Fed retains the mantle of one of the most, if not the most aggressive major central banks in the world. Um, if you take a look at inflation expectations moving out to either the five-year or 10-year swaps, you're seeing that we're at our lowest level since October 2021, uh, about 2.58% right now on the five-year, five-year inflation swap forward, for example. So the Fed's message is working to an extent. Market does not believe that the inflation that we're seeing here today in the headline CPI figures will remain widespread and these interest rate hikes will ultimately tamp down these price pressures as we move into the second half of this year. Generally, uh, kind of the textbook assumption is yields going up uh, happens when the economy is in good shape. Yields going down when the economy is in bad shape. That's got a little bit uh, more complicated in a low growth, uh, slower Fed environment. But that's not the one we're in right now. Uh, perhaps not, but uh, that could change. Do you think that we're getting some of this bond strength as a recessionary warning? I think it's certainly a possibility. I mean, if you think about the long end of the curve in particular, that's where our growth and inflation premiums are anticipated. So if the Fed is telling us that these interest rate hikes will ultimately cool off inflation, you'll expect to see lower bond yields in the 10s and the 30s. Uh, but also, you know, with the Atlanta Fed GDP Now update from yesterday, where we saw the, the revision bring us down to negative 1% annualized in real terms, it only looks like that the U.S. economy is on a weaker footing moving forward. But that's part of what the Fed wants to have happen, right? If you look at the recent CPI data, if you decompose it into the various uh, inputs, it's pretty clear that the only things that the Fed can weigh on are really not the significant drivers, right? Uh, commodity pressure, supply chain issues, because of what's happening out of Eastern Europe, out of what's happening uh, in China with the zero COVID strategy, the Fed can't convince Putin to stop his war of aggression. He can't convince Xi Jinping to open up his cities and, and ports. Uh, but what the Fed can do is reduce demand here domestically. So um, when I see what's going on in the Atlanta Fed GDP figure, that's kind of by design. They're almost intentionally engineering a recession, and, and therefore, you know, our growth premium is reduced. But that means a faster Fed. That means a stronger Fed, and, and that comes, you know, relatively speaking, compared to weaker central banks abroad. If it's the BOE, the ECB, or everyone's favorite central bank, the Bank of Japan. Yeah, uh, yeah, and uh, the uh, uh, calmest, uh, but maybe not by choice. What about in uh, Europe? Uh, what do you see as the euro's role in all of this uh, when they're printing CPIs at uh, very high levels now, too, but not doing much for the currency? I guess the market this morning is telling us that uh, ECB is still going to be slower to act than the Fed? 
Definitely. And part of this is because they're worried about the Eurozone debt crisis coming back from the grave. You know, for many years, we've had narrow bond spreads. Italian and Greek yields have remained relatively low. Uh, but as soon as that June ECB meeting rolled around, we had the market starting to flare up some signs of risk. Of course, less than a week later, the ECB announced an emergency meeting. The governor, governing council got together. And this week in Central Portugal at their annual conference, we've heard rumors that a, a new anti-fragmentation tool will be unrolled. Basically, the ECB is going to take the proceeds from maturing core debt, your Dutch, your French, your, your German debt, and they're going to continue to buy the pigs. The pigs are back in slang, which is uh, always nice to hear, a throwback to our younger days as analysts in this market. Uh, but that's a problem for the euro. You know, if you have this tightrope that the ECB has to walk where they're trying to arrest inflation, but they also need to continue to do bond buys uh, to prevent uh, a crisis, a fiscal crisis from reemerging, it's not a good situation for the euro. The euro itself right now hasn't really been doing much, so to speak, over the past two months. I know there's been a little bit of volatility here, but but this is a chart that ultimately you're talking about what a range between 103.50 and about 108. If we do get a break below 103.50, however, that opens up a move towards parity. Simply from a technician's perspective, the, the measured move and equidistant measured move actually brings us down below one to one. And we're talking about some of the lowest levels that we've seen in the euro dollar exchange rate going all the way to the turn of the millennium. Yeah. Wow. Okay. So it's still a lot of work to be done here, but ultimately. Uh, uh, there still is an inflation problem that will uh, apply some pressure. If they don't act, then perhaps uh, due to underlying fundamental concerns, your point about uh, sovereign debt uh, potentially being a problem again, and uh, Eurozone growth in general. So here where the Fed's options are basically stand by and uh, let inflation wreak havoc or uh, press the brake pedal hard enough to potentially slow things down, uh, does that mean that risk assets, do you think, Christopher, still should remain under pressure, even if yields are not zooming higher for the moment? Should we be still wary in our stocks and our crypto and our risky stuff? Well, crypto is a different conversation because it was really born in the liquidity movement, right? It, it, it has its roots in the 2008-2009 global financial crisis when the Fed begins QE. So now that we're in the midst of a liquidity withdrawal that we have don't have any more fiscal stimulus, it's a very difficult environment uh, for crypto altogether. That speculative impulse certainly is not there. But I, I want to point out that the market tends to bottom before the economy does. I think you know that, Oliver. We've seen this so many times before where all of a sudden stocks start shooting higher despite no real economic data to support such a thesis. And then it only plays out, say, three to six months later where the, actually the economy turns the corner. One thing that I'm paying attention to right now, something that I haven't heard a lot of people discuss, is the ratio between XBI or IBB and XLV, biotech versus healthcare. Because when that ratio bottomed, when we saw that uh, the, the risk of biotech uh, was outperforming healthcare. That was February 2021. That's mm. also the month that ARK-K peaked. And what have we seen over the last few weeks? Well, that ratio has hit a recent new high, but it's turned the corner since the middle of May. And so if we start to see that biotech is outperforming the broader healthcare sector, that's just one of those early signs, one of those mm. green shoots that risk appetite is re-emerging in this market. Of course, as we know with that, that bottom in that ratio, the peak in ARK, that occurred in February 2021, uh, basically a year before stocks 
ultimately peaked in the broader index. So again, an early warning sign that we may be looking at uh, some potential low here for stocks over the next few months. And then, of course, the yield curve inversion matters greatly. Um, we've seen two yield curve inversions over the past few weeks and months, going back to the beginning of April. Uh, the returns for six months, 12 months, and 18 months out after a yield curve inversion are uniformly positive for stocks. So this may be a different environment. Of course, history is not always right, but history guides us to having a little bit more of a bullish perspective based on some of the market stats we've seen play out in the post-World War II era. Okay, I like the uh, IBB healthcare uh, signal. So basically looking at one sector and uh, separating it between risky and not as risky and figuring out when the market starts to prefer the risky one. Uh, that's pretty neat. I like it. Okay, Chris, we'll keep our eyes on it. Thanks a lot. Appreciate it. Good. Christopher Vecchio, Senior Strategist at DailyFX.com. All right, looking at the IBB healthcare ratio and looking for some risk-taking appetite to return. We have seen it return from the weakest part of the overnight session. Uh, but still has some work to do. The Nasdaq's down about 40 basis points right now. 